So you prepped two months of planning, field work. I still think Jerry sat on the couch the whole time, but that's okay. <laughs> um, Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. All right, this is kind of super informal. Jerry, Troy, thanks for having me back. Yes, sir. Thanks for having us. What have you been up to since I last talked to you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot. More uh, easier question to answer is what haven't we been up to? <laughs> okay, what have you been up to that you're willing to share publicly? So we want to talk about our trip to Rainier. That's right. That our, was our highlight of our summer. Another trip to Rainier. So last year, we recreated the trip of uh, William Tolmey, Dr. Yep. William Tolmey. And this year, we did recreate the trip of Lieutenant August Kautz, who went from Fort Stillicum to, he got within 300 feet of the summit of Rainier in 1857, nearly the first ascent. So, all right, when was the first recorded ascent of Rainier? 1872. Two. Yeah, really. Yes. We're, we're going to learn about that as we go along. Okay. But, yeah. So this so, was the second real good run at it, and maybe the first real good run at it, because I don't think Tommy was really. He wasn't he, going for the summit. He was wholeheartedly going for the summit. Now he, uh, yeah, Couch okay. was actually headed for the summit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, how long did this trip take to plan? It took not as much as the Tommy trip. But I bet I had, I don't know, what do you think, Jerry? I think I had a good solid two months into it. Two months of research. Okay. I, did, I do a lot of field stuff where I read about an area, go out to the area and hike it, and just kind of confirm its accuracy and, you know, landmarks. So I do a lot of stuff out in the field also to prepare for and this. So Jerry just sits on the couch? No, Jerry's busy working. <laughs> Listen, Jerry's not the route finder that Troy is, so I let Troy do that, and uh, honestly, Troy's the best at it, so if he needs some assistance, I'd probably get in his way. Um, one thing that was better about it, though, is a little bit better documented, So, uh, and you'll find even the, the, when we talk about the first ascent later, it's even better documented. They they describe things better. Uh, mm -hmm. There was more accounts of it afterwards. Uh, there was better descriptions of the routes and what they use gear wise. Uh, some of it's still a little bit lost, like the first, um, you know, descriptions. But uh, it was easier to follow. Do you believe that? Absolutely. Yeah, the couch, the couch journals were were really well written. So this started from Fort Stockton. Fort Stilcom, correct. And what was his what was his role at Fort Stilcom when he he was the quartermaster. So so still to this day, I think there's five buildings still standing that he had a hand in the construction of, and they were built in 1857, the same year he went to Rainier. So. Okay, so he must have accumulated a lot of paid time off to to get you on know, union. To, sorry, don't. <laughs> I think Marty even pointed out me. some trees that had to have been planted back wow. in the day uh, that were what kind of trees those they're way out of our region but they were planted around for stillicum and they looked about 150 years yeah, old. yeah i can't remember he, what type of tree uh, that was yeah so what was the inspiration for you guys to to do this hike where, where did this come from well we were thinking uh even while we're on the Tolmy trip what's what's next what do we want to do next and that's just the obvious choice him getting so close to the summit and such an epic story of his journey. So it was kind of obvious choice. All right. So you prepped two months of planning, field work. I still think Trey sat on the couch the whole time, but that's okay. <laughs> um, you guys did this in July again? Yeah, we started July 8th for the bike ride. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So instead of horses, you used We used bikes. electric bikes. That's okay. right. So he rode from Fort Stillicum. To a place called uh, Charles Wren's homestead, which is where Fort Lewis is now. Okay. Spent the night. And then he went from there to a place called Michelle Prairie in Eatonville. So we ended up doing all of that in one day on those e-bikes, about 40 miles. Which we did ride back through Fort Lewis where we shan't 
have been, but we did. And we actually hit Ren's place on the way. So within a few miles, horse ride, either way, the way the trails went, we, we followed that trail. Yeah, we were very, yeah, very close on his path. The landmarks that he had in his journals. Yeah. So you rode you rode forty miles on the bikes in a day. Yes. Now I want to point out we uh, went with uh, Marty Frost and Gary Borden. We had two friends with us. That's right. Uh, Marty Frost, uh, very accomplished local, and he he knew all the back roads through there and knew how to help us join no, everything up. His family had property back there, and he's one of the best woodsmen I know as far as trees mm-hmm. and maybe what you call arborists. So he pointed out things that were, to me, I just passed by, but he can see where and when they were planted and what kind of things. So did, did these two guys go the whole the whole trip with you? Or just the, just the bike ride? Just the bike ride. Okay. Correct. So you guys did 40 miles in a day, which was two days worth of work for the first guy. That's right. So we didn't stay at Raymond Hayden's house. We didn't have the sprinklers go off. You have to listen no, to the other episode to figure that out. But <laughs> yeah, I we actually, to ride by. We rode right by Raymond's house. Yeah, I went yes. 39 miles in two oh. tenths. Uh, oh, my battery right. ran out. And uh, so, fair enough, I missed eight tenths of that. But uh, I think I hiked it back into it uh, on the second leg. So I we think. all talked about bringing two batteries for our bikes. And we show up to do it. Everyone's got two batteries. Except for for Jerry. Except for Knucklehead. But um, I thought we would stop for a beer for a couple hours and charge it up, which we almost did. So I ran out of I ran out of battery. I told them to go on. We sat maybe for five minutes, and a, a lady was coming out to get her mail. And uh, Marty kind of said something, but uh, we got involved talking to her, and she said, "Yes, sure, yeah." Come charge the battery right here. I was dead. Actually, I had another We're in 15 the middle of nowhere, and this lady all by herself walks up to a group of four scraggly-looking guys and offers to let us use her plug-in in her barn. Well, it turns out she raises llamas. Okay. And uh, so we got talked into a llama tour while the bike battery is charging. You might as well do something for sure. two hours, right? I think uh, I've never seen a llama take to somebody like this llama took to Troy. I agree. Uh, there's pictures of it on the internet. Uh, we got a llama tour while we're yeah. waiting for his battery to charge. That's cool. They either like you or they don't, but this guy like Troy. Yeah, okay. So, you know, it's something you should even think about. Her name's uh, Marla Albert. She owns uh, Top, Stall, Stop, Top Stall Farms, I think it's called. Okay. And a, a wonderful place. So it's a hands-on llama farm and you get to interact with them take them take them for a walk around the property she's got a huge piece of property so my next door neighbor has like seven alpacas so they're like i'm so used to seeing them there there's no exoticness to them to me now because i look at my dining room and there's like alpacas staring at me like, no. right. so, I, yeah. but now i have a different appreciation i was with you but uh that it was just a little help along no, the way um, cool. you know like Helping a homeless person. Right. <laughs> Somebody well, helped us right there. I see you guys on the other trip, you had kind of the same sort of... Yeah, we did. You know, so... Yeah, just one yeah, time. It's interesting the interaction you have with people and when somebody asks you, what are you doing? And just watch the look on their face when we tell them. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I mean, it could go so many different directions. So <laughs> You could. So, um. but, so let's, go, let's go that first night camping again uh no so we actually we did that in one little leg mm-hmm. we loaded up and came back home and we didn't start back at michelle prairie for what was that another two weeks maybe yeah i mean like a week week and a half right. after why uh just it was time time constraints schedule okay. yeah okay. yeah all right so you did that mm-hmm. you came back you drove out to the, the drop spot, if you would, right? Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. And so almost true to form here, we come back to that that sense of the term, but uh, they took horses up to that point. Right. And two guys stayed behind with their horses. Okay. There you go. As as you guys did. Was the journal? Is that correct? That is right. Two guys. And so yeah. almost to that point, we all four rode bikes and two guys stayed and just did that leg of the journey and waited. And then okay went on from there so then you guys go out to the second leg mm-hmm. all right let's talk where how did 
Well, let me ask this question, which we'll get to at the end, but I want to know ahead of time. How long did this trip take? Six days total. Uh, well, six days for the second leg. Six days for six so days. So seven days with the first okay. leg. And how long did it take the original guy to do it? Uh, nine days. So those e-bikes really aren't much of a savings. Kidding. No, no not really. Not, not over a horse in those days. They're actually about equal to what a horse would probably yeah. take you. Um, yeah. But really, we did it considerably faster because we had uh, established trails and roads to walk on, and he was slogging it out. So he, he was, was really hustling then. He was yeah, he averaging was. 10 miles a day along the Nisqually River. It just, you know, boulder makes hopping. You, it makes you appreciate that, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So really let's go back to just it. talk about him and, and where his journey went from. We were in the pack forest. Is that? Yeah. So you start at the. Uh, Michelle Prairie, which is that, it's kind of a newer, uh, it's called the Nisqually Nature Preserve or something like that there in Nisqually Eagleville. State Park? Or yeah, is, something is like that, that. Nisqually State yeah, Park. Yeah. And uh, so back at, at that time, obviously, no trails. They, that's where any type of civilization or trail ended for him, and it was all bushwhacking from there on. And so we had the luxury of some trails as far as the Michelle River. We had to pick our own path. Yes, we did. Uh, to get down across the Michelle. <laughs> and uh... Thank you for that, Ralph Finding, by the way. <laughs> you know, scratched up. Uh, and and uh, we have gear. We have everything. Uh, I can't imagine them making it through that again. You know, log hopping. Uh, we had fence boundaries to follow where land was cleared. We walked that day from uh, Nisqually State Park into LB, and we had only just made that our uh, destination, as he did, and we sh overshot it to Ashford. We well, he also camped on top of the uh, mountain in the in the uh, uh, pack forest. So in our one day of walking, we passed three of his camps in one day. Right. Wow. Yeah. Same route. Um, probably a little more to the straight and narrow because <coughs> we had to follow roads. We can't trespass. Uh, but. So did he, did he have Indians with him? He did. He had one. Oh, this is a great story. Uh, um, was it a Sluiskin he had with him? or No, it was a Wapowity. Yeah. He had a, a guide called Wapowity. Okay. He was a, a Nisqually Indian. And, and he had a doctor. He had the doctor with him. Right. And describe the doctor. Well, the doctor had, uh, he was a big guy, you know, well over six feet tall, 200 plus pounds. Uh, he had a little bit of mountaineering background or knowledge that I know of, but he wasn't in the best shape. So when they get to the pack forest to start climbing the hill, he hired this, this uh, Native American gentleman who's pretty short and small to carry his pack for him. Paid him $10 to carry his pack. So he carried his pack and then he carried the doctor's pack on the front of him. <laughs> and he was actually supposed to supply the meat. I mean, he was uh, right. he had the rifle. Right. Um, so back in the day. Put that doctor to shame. So yeah. what happened with that doctor, by the way? How did his party start? After he started riding the horse, he got off and... Uh, he carried a little bit of liquor with him. Well, yeah, they started up, and he instead of taking water, he took whiskey instead. Yeah, yeah. How'd that work? That did didn't work out very good for him. Really? Did, did, you guys emulate, did you guys emulate that? Well, we brought water as well as whiskey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, life lesson: uh, he couldn't carry his own pack, and, right. and the whiskey was no good for him. So I imagine the first two days he learned a lot of lessons <laughs> in how to get right. along, right? But, uh, but right around there where I can just picture the doctor walking without his pack, you get to the crest of the hill, and Couch describes it really well, the view from up there. You can see Puget Sound laid out before you. Talks about this ridge top with a saddle in it. And we're walking right along this narrow ridge top, no wider than this room. And you know that that party walk, walked right through there. So ah, okay. it feels good to be right on target, you know. Wow. Yeah. So first day walking, we, we, we made it into Ashford. Um, stopped at the LB Tavern. Stopped the LB Tavern. Um, that's true. Uh, 
second day of walking up Skate Creek Road and then the backside into Longmire, and that's pretty much where he ended up. We were a couple of days ahead of him, like you said. Yeah. But, uh, Yep. That's right. It, it's, that's where it gets a little sketchy on where he had stayed from that, that point on. Uh, from that point, we, we head straight up to Nisqually, just like he did. Um, there's a bridge up there called Glacier Bridge, and uh, that's where we had to pull out, go get go get our... Uh, get permits. Right? Yeah. Yeah, we okay. had to get permits to climb. So when you were recreating Ptolemy's hike... It was really hot. Right. How was the weather? This because it's still you did you told me it's in July as well, so you're doing this in July. How was the weather this time around? It was great. Okay. Uh, there was nothing wrong with, at all with it. Okay. Again, we did about thirty miles on the road, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that was the most miserable part of it for me. Again, the urban hiking <laughs> tore my feet up. It wore me out. Uh, Troy was continuously about three quarters of a mile ahead of me on the road, so I'm sure we look like quite the pair. There's the winner, and there's the. Uh, but uh, well, if you should have found somebody paying ten bucks to carry your pack, right? <laughs> I had an offer for a ride a couple times. Um, Up to that guy, please. Uh, or yeah, just passed so, him. <laughs> that's so funny. I never got an offer for a ride. Yeah. You're not cute like I'm. Listen, uh, I doubt if uh, Cal's ever got offered a ride but uh, right so it was rough walking up to Nisqually we got we headed straight up to Nisqually from Longmire and mm-hmm. and uh we're lucky enough to get the Wonderland Trail for a little bit uh and then we got in and out at the at the Glacier Bridge so we had a resupply at the Glacier Bridge my friend uh, Sean Van Domlin mm-hmm. what we did we met him um he had our gear, all of our mountain climbing gear. So we were able to switch over to climbing gear. He gave us a lift up to paradise to get our permits. Okay. And then he actually, he joined us for a hike into the, to the toe of the Nisqually Glacier. Yes. And, uh, what, so, so here's where, uh, you get couches descriptions of where he stayed high. Uh, the last trees were and the snow was. And then just recently, I've been living in Longmire, and I live with a lot of volunteers in the park. And an older gentleman was talking, 1963, graduating University of Washington. He said it was within 100 yards of the bridge is where the the glacier started, the toe of the Nisqually. And so Troy and I, from the glacier bridge, hiked maybe two miles up. And that's how much the terrain's changed in the last wow, 170 right. years since then. So, yes. So the toe of the Nisqually Glacier was first recorded in the late 1850s. And at that time, it was two miles downhill from the current Glacier Bridge location. And wow. now it's two miles up. So that glacier's retreated four miles since Couts was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 30 years. Right. Yeah. Hundred math, folks. Since eighteen fifty-seven is one hundred and seventy years, I believe. Show me up. Okay. Thanks. I, I'm just guessing. <laughs> you're right. Plus or minus one. Or no, but you're right. Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the glaciers changed. Yep. Now he took all his gear at once, where you guys have had the luxury of sure. being able to swap out. Right. Not. To, I'm not trying to dismiss and diminish what you're doing, but you did. This guy schlepped it all with from the yeah. And, and his gear wasn't anywhere near as lightweight as the gear you guys are using. Again, no, right. that's true. That's yeah. right. And so, which makes what he's done, what he did, remarkably impressive. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. So that makes that ten bucks look really like a good investment. Right? <laughs> I'm just going to say that ten bucks is starting to buy a house. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're set. Okay. Or at least a gallon of gas, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> we won't talk about gas because I got to gas all my way back. Uh, Ooh. Better go to five. Yeah. So, weather was better this year than it was for the Tolman. Oh, much, extremely, yeah. Much okay, better. So, we didn't have major heat problems. Didn't have that. Okay. No rain. Okay. But this was a different hike, too. So, really... Um, we downplayed a little bit as far as getting up to the glacier bridge, 
But I think that's where the adventure began. Okay. And uh, since Troy and I had hiked from Puget Sound up to Mount Rainier the year before, uh, that doesn't seem as daunting. So just riding the 40 from Stillicum and hiking from Pack Forest is, is not an easy deal, but it didn't seem like as big of a deal as it was last year. Okay. No, you learn a lot by doing it. And I felt like we did it in better style this time we did yeah and uh i drive that quite a bit it takes a long time to drive and now i know every inch of that road um you become intimate with it a little bit so last time in our last adventure you were caught on camera that's right did anybody catch you on camera this time no not that i'm aware of anyway no no evidence out there this time that was so funny the way you described it last time uh so. <laughs> no sprinklers in the no middle sprinklers. of the uh, but there was some comedy that's about to happen so okay. uh, as as you said we had the liberty of pre-hiking up from Glacier Bridge and throwing our heavy duty ice equipment up there that we didn't have to pack yeah up. we had gone up a couple of weeks before and cached some of our gear at the toe of the Nisqually Glacier okay Okay. Yeah. And uh, up to this point, we had a camp up there. Uh, it's a beautiful hike and a rough hike to get up just just through that part of the Nisqually. It's really rough. Uh, it's all boulder jumping, mm -hmm. but the rewards you get are waterfalls falling down each side of you. Yeah. Bear dens, uh, just beautiful uh, where no one hardly goes kind of beauty. Right. If you understand that. We no. never did see another person out there no really yeah okay or footprints right except our own right um okay first night troy got me to sleep cowboy camp that night uh, out just we had a tent and he says hey how about we just sleep out here and let the rats run across us who cares and uh, we did <laughs> and uh that next morning we hopped up and we just had our gear ready to go it was real quick and easy um that's kind of staying true to form, I think, where Couch was, actually. Uh, See, that's where I would, like, be willing to compromise for more modern things. Like, is there a five-star hotel I can stay up to? I don't want the rats running over me. Yeah, that's where the rum helps um, to get you. You just don't care. The stars. Uh, and, yeah, you don't care. You don't care. First time for me. I don't know that there's enough. <laughs> All right, so... So next morning we get up and uh, pr probably we're going to do this in a couple of days where uh, we're, we're sitting around where Couch probably was to do it in one day. So I'll give Couch a lot he, of credit. For he did. He attempted it from basically where we spent that first night. He was going for it in one day and we we're going to do two, two right. days. So was, yeah. Right. Because really, uh, you know, I'm sure you've been to Paradise before. Yeah. And you look at the mountain from Paradise, it's like, ah, that doesn't look very far away. It's just right there. And it's uh, there's a, a thing called foreshortening. It looks gentler and lower from right down below it than it really is. So, okay. So he had no... He did not have the benefits. You guys had to like look, at, look at his journal and his, his writings that he did. So you guys... I, I'm teasing when I say you cheated, but you, you and you've been oh yeah, right. but you you know what you're getting into. This guy had no really, idea, no clue. This is nope. why you appreciate pioneers, right? Yeah, he had so no that's... clue because if like you're describing it, it looks right. shorter and you know not as far, and he's like, oh yeah, I can make that, like right, okay. That's what a big deal that he did. So he was... tries to do this in one day. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, you know. They weren't the most well-fed on their trip, and they didn't really shoot as many deer and that kind of thing as they thought. So they were kind of a little low on provisions. Uh-huh. So they made a good run for it. I'll they give them credit. bacon and hardtack. Uh, uh, Sounds lovely. I'll give them credit. Uh, they made a good run for it. We, on the other hand, uh, we had a third-party meetup with us at the toe of the glacier, um, and then he was going to hike up. He's a good technical climber. Okay. And it, w when we get up to the upper part... We're going to need good technical skills and each other. Now, have you ever climbed Rainier before? Yeah. Okay, so you summited Rainier? Yeah. Okay, so this isn't your first attempt yeah, to... But, okay, okay, I know, Troy, you've summited it 13 times. But not like this. Not okay, like he's but, going right here, this crazy way. Mm -hmm. This is what you call crazy. <laughs> um, and how, what's a percentage of people you think 
out of 100%, what do you think uh, ascended through the Couch Glacier? Every oh, year? the, uh, the Couch Glacier is way less use. 10%? Uh, I'd say less than 10%. So that's what kind of couch. small route this is. Um, okay. So, uh, so it was a friend, uh, Nick Strait. We had, we had planned it out. Uh, I decided long ago to do safety reasons and try to please my lovely wife that I no longer climb the mountain on a two-man team. Okay. If one person goes into a crevasse, yeah, it's much harder to hold that with one person than it is if there were no, I mean, three, four other people right. tied on. That makes sense. So we enlisted Nick, and he he was going to meet us, and he brought his, uh, his girlfriend along with. So they drove to Paradise the morning we woke up at the toe of the Nisqually. They left Paradise. They crossed the Nisqually as we ascended it, and we met on the Nisqually Glacier at 7 a.m., I think it was. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so so we get to the point where we meet. Jerry and I are sitting up in this little gully on a ledge, and he's slightly down below. And his, uh, his girlfriend's knee was hurting, so she was going to turn around. So they were shuffling some gear. And Nick had this... <laughs> $800 down duvet. Yeah. And slips, he sets it down and it takes roll, rolling off down. And the crevasses at this point, because remember spring was very late. The mountain still thought it was winter right. up there at this point. Right. So the crevasses were just little tiny cracks. And this thing takes off rolling. 300 Nick, feet deep, tiny Nick, cracks. But Nick chases it and it goes into the only hole that goes into the abyss. So he never got to use his $800 down duvet. It went right in the hole. So I thought it was just one. And I said, well, you just take her sleeping bag. And he's like, no, that was a double. It was a double. So yeah. here he is going to take this journey without a sleeping bag. I'd say 20s at night, maybe. Teens to 20s. Uh -huh. Teens to at. 20s. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So we go up to the toilet glacier. and We meet Nick. And uh, yeah, he looked like a fifth grader looking down that crack at his bag that was gone and i'm thinking maybe it's an omen did you think that at all no I, no i wasn't too worried i about tried it. not to um and so we just the three of us start heading up but you know getting up to the toilet glacier from that morning we we we, we transferred from the rocks up to the the snow onto and, the ice and, and we, we tied yeah. up and there were crevasses and they might have been only two or three feet wide, but they were hundreds of feet deep. Oh, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and they might have looked, looked two feet wide, but they they open up shortly down down right. from there. So, yeah, there's so one thing you can go in this thing and you got to look out for that. Um, but also we were maybe about 300 feet short of the snow. We hadn't put our crampons up yet. Remember this? Yep. And uh, Troy was ahead of me by maybe 50, 100 feet, just a little over the rise. And he's like, Jerry, here come some rocks. Honestly, didn't hear oh, nothing. I didn't yeah. see nothing until over this rise came, looked like a 42-inch screen TV, just a rolling, going left, going right, every <laughs> elbow hitting. Uh, probably passed me up 25, 30 feet away. And... Uh, you just keep step forward and you go, okay, well, let's just hope not a lot of that happens on the rest of the way. Uh, the, the and it was happening all the whole time we were up there. That's all we heard was that same kind of noise. Well, you, you expect that down there at the toe of the Nisqually Glacier. We mentioned all the boulder hopping. And it's a very tight valley with these steep cliffs. And it's pretty obvious where all those boulders came from. And happens all the time so mm -hmm. it's not really the safest place in the world but not just a place one to of the stay dangers for a couple of weeks not just walking i mean that's happening on each side of you yeah yeah wow yeah this isn't for me guys just, just put that out well good for you <laughs> so so we continued up nisqually glacier um we all did pretty good we took turns back and forth got yeah. me you and nick into a kind of good rhythm kicking steps so the person that goes goes first puts in the most effort because you actually you're kicking your toes in and you create almost stairs for the guys in the, and then the guys behind it so you just so how, step how in often those. did you switch like jerry you're you're the first guy right now how long before troy would take over uh just 
if you had about an hour slope, the most best thing is just to get everybody 20 minutes on it. Um, mm-hmm. Usually one guy will do a little more than another. Uh, it depends on who's the strongest out of them. So here's here's how I remember it. It's actually becomes a little bit of a competition type of a thing. Right? A little bit, some of that comes so, into play. So I think I went first, kicked steps as long as I could, and I got, I got really tired and asked for somebody to step up next. Uh, Nick stepped up. And then he stopped after a while and go, well, Jerry, it's your turn. He goes, oh, is that how this is? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm learning. And then Jerry gets in front and he never, never relinquished it. He stayed in front the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were in shape. We already came up in a squally. Uh, Nick has been selling furniture at the old cannery warehouse. And he didn't get on his uh, treadmill as much as he should have, actually. <laughs> so the other part of the story is, instead of going to Camp Hazard that night, which we were prepared to do as part of our plan, that's only halfway from where Couch was to get to the top. Nick was a little bit out of shape, and I think he don't care if I say that, right? And so he called it early. He wasn't going to make it. Um, so we split, we split the hike in two, and we stayed at... Upper Castle, which is on the way. That's right. About 11,500 feet. Right. Which, yeah. It was okay. We're just, it was clear yeah. weather. It was great. So why not take another day if it's going to take them a little longer? Yeah. Let me ask you this question. So the total of the Nisqually is about how, what's the elevation there? Maybe 9,005 or 10,000 feet. No, no, no. The toe, the toe is considerably lower. What's that? Uh, is that, gosh, that's a really good question. I just think of it about this. I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. okay. So. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's probably Paradise Height. So, Nick. It's Paradise 5,400. I, so. I can't pick on a guy that's not here to defend himself. I'm sorry, but I will pick on him. Okay. But he, he came was obviously like distraught because he lost his $800 he lost duvet. And never used it once. And I'm sorry, a duvet <laughs> to go hiking doesn't. I mean, his girlfriend covers, man. His girlfriend peeled off. And then uh, he had to use our coats for his, uh, like, over his legs. He oh stuck his legs in our okay. And uh, he just had a a tarp to sleep under where Troy and I had a nice tent to snuggle in. Uh, well, I wouldn't put it quite that way. but okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, anyway. <laughs> so he... he ran out of steam for the day let's just call it that okay yeah and so you guys took an extra you took a break and you took an extra day off but right the weather conditions yep. were good right so no more falling boulders at this point we're uh, are, are we in a play because like I'm, I'm sorry sleeping you already talked about rats running over you now now i'm gonna play you know donkey kong and watch boulders come down to me this who sleeps so from here on out uh i think that's a never-ending noise and uh I learn a lot every time I go up. So, and uh, I would get into some territory to the right or left, and Troy could see ahead and say, "Hey, man, you can see it from." And now I could recognize that it was no even path to be in. So there were some paths where regular rock fall happens and ice fall. Well, we're going up a feature. It's called the uh, Turtle Snowfield. It looks like a turtle from the, the distance, and the right side of the turtle. And you could see the marks in the snow. Uh, ice falls off the upper mountain. It's called the uh, the Couch Ice Cliff. Mm-hmm. And I've seen freight train size blocks of ice roll down there. Yeah. But they go down the right side of the turtle. So you stay the left side of the turtle, you're fine and dandy. Just stay out of the right side. But they look like big snowballs to me as I'm hiking up. Look kind of pretty and cute. Is but. <laughs> Pretty dangerous to be walking in the path. Okay. I'm also size of freight cars. Yeah, I understand. I just almost got hit by a TV down below, so now I'm kind of starting to get the gist of it. Yeah, there's some inherent risk to this, but it's all about uh, managing those risks and uh, and making it as safe as possible. Right. No, I just, yeah. I, just the idea. So far, I'm not sleeping on this trip. If I was along with you, first off, I'm too old and fat to do this, but if I were in shape, I'd still, the idea of sleeping, I just, yeah. Not for me. I think it's really cool. It's just not for me. Um, when you get up there and you're on the ledge, and I think we all three experienced this at Upper Castle, uh, we all had our little, we didn't really need to even like talk or like I said, again, we're just yeah. kind of piecing out, uh, looking at the sunrise, the horizon. Well, the, the moon mountains. was out almost full that night and 
I remember waking up and you could see everything. It was almost like daylight. Crystal and clear I just sky. Looked, yeah. I would look for two hours straight in the middle of the night, just checking it out. This oh. takes your breath away. Yes. So the next day we had a pretty easy climb, like 1,500 feet or 2,000 feet. Uh-huh. Because uh, we would have done that the day before. Uh, right. And so we, again, we had a nice camp. Uh, we're up with some guides, uh, three or four different guide services. Yeah, there's staying. a guided group up there uh, slightly ahead of us. Okay. And we made it to Camp Hazard, which is the highest camp you can find. 13,800 feet. On the mountain. Yeah. And uh, all we have left is a drip of Couch Glacier, and we're to the top the next day. That's it. Okay. But it's steep. I mean, what's the grade? There's two different grades on it. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a, uh, the lower one's about 45, and then the upper one's 50 to 55 degrees. Okay. And that's why we're going to, so our plan is to go to midnight. We come up plenty early and we ate really well. We have plenty of food, our gear's in order. Everything's to the T, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had some plans in place for going up and coming down. Uh, we got to watch the show of the people. <laughs> so the, the guided groups ahead of us they were coming down as we're sitting in our in our high camp at Camp Hazard. So we could watch them come down these two steep ice pitches. That was our TV for the night. And <laughs> it took them hours to do this too. It was really yeah. slow. So the guide, there was a guide for every two clients. And there were three sets of those. Okay. And so the guide would build an anchor, chop the seat in the snow, sit down in the snow, and lower his two clients at the same time, lower them a full rope length. They would stand there while he would, then he would climb down to them, lower them again. Well, we watched this guy lowering two clients and they pulled him out of a seat and they all go tumbling. And, and we're like- It's probably 3000 feet from their slide. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And it took him a couple of tries, but he stopped, he stopped them and we couldn't we couldn't hear him, but we could see it playing his day. So he finally gets everyone stopped. He goes down to him, and they all sat in a circle hugging for about forty five minutes. Yeah, like they had to change their underwear afterwards. So it's a pretty steep, dangerous pitch. So you're watching that, going, oh, let's go up. Yeah. Uh, what could go wrong? You know, I mean, the payday. Uh, wow. All right. But they had a good hug session after that. And, and I noticed a few of the people that came down off of the climb, when they got across back up to camp, the, their legs gave out. They fell down in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had been up that route. I've been up and down that route three times previously. So I know I know it fairly well. And it's how challenging it is. That's it's how not, I feel comfortable. It's not too was Between him and Nick, they had me. And then the... Right. Okay. So... You were, I'm saying this somewhat tongue in cheek, but you were the weak link at this of point. Of course. You, you were the. Uh, not physically, but uh, skill wise. Skill wise. Yes. Okay, skill wise. Yeah, right. okay, we all so, had our weakness. Right, right. No, so you were the technical climbing weak link at yes, this point. Yes, for sure. Okay. So, and you just watched this right. drama yeah. unfold. Yes, I did. Thoughts? Yeah. Um. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because I know what my thought is right now. I'm I think, like, mine's like, no way, I'm not, I'm, once again, I'm going to say this isn't for me. This isn't for me, right? But that, I don't. Uh, I had a lot of thoughts. Um, the one thought that I, I, I needed to get was what our program was, I needed to get nailed down in my head. And uh, so we talked about this for a while. That's where the strength of the three of us came in. Right. And they both had different approaches. And uh, we talked about the approaches that the guides took. And we talked about the times and different things like that. We And we also talked to some of the guides on their way down uh, until we got a comfortable feel. Uh, and and then it's just, uh, I can follow orders and I can physically do what we have to do. Um, keeping your mind straight is mm -hmm. the one thing that has to be constant. Okay. And so that night I went to bed, yes, this is gonna happen. I know what to do. Here's how we're going to do it. And I felt comfortable with the whole plan. And I felt comfortable with both these guys on each side of me. So, okay. Yeah. Scary though. Still, I'm not going to lie. No. Uh, okay. I, I, I couldn't be scared at that point though, you know? Uh, so you go to sleep. 
explosively. <laughs> you lay down. Yeah. What time did you guys start this ascent? We were going to start. Was it midnight? Midnight. Okay, so this is one thing that's wrong with mountain climbing. The hours suck, you guys. <laughs> I mean, really. Well, mid, I'm, midnight. I, I again, it's stacking the odds in your favor. I know. Yeah. I get it logically, but I'm being yeah. a little bit like, every t- everybody I talk to this climb, you know, a lot, I talk to a fair number of people that climb right here, and they all say, oh, we started at 2 or 11 or midnight. I'm like, so if you think about it, the mistake that uh, those guys made coming down was, you know, four or five o'clock in the afternoon, they were coming down in the slushiest of snow right, right. in front of us, right. and they almost lost their lives. And so a 12 o'clock ascent means that we're coming down there around noon, one o'clock before it breaks all slush. Right. And uh, that's the safest thing you can do. It's the hardest thing to do is to get up. But I always consider like, you know, your, your grandpa's picking you up for fishing at four in the morning. You're getting up at four in the morning. You're not going to be late to grandpa's truck. This is... This is the kind of wake-up call you need. You don't so have to do it all. You guys, so you need to rest. You need to be mentally sharp. You need to be physically rested to do this. Yeah. this is so, yeah. But, you know, it's midnight. Troy, you probably go to bed at midnight normally. So how do you flip the script and go and make yourselves go to sleep? So, or, you When know, you've been working that hard uh, for that many days in a row, it's quite easy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's quite easy. So what time would you guys... Shut down then to go sleep. Well, so we were up there for uh, for darn near all day because, like, like yeah. you said, we only had fifteen hundred, two thousand feet to climb that day. Mm-hmm. And gosh, we we napped through the day, through up and down, and yeah. So I remember us really churning in right as it's starting to get dark. Yeah, so maybe nine o'clock. So you're really not sleeping room. I mean, three hours. Not, not very even much. after the day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're well rested. So so now Nick at this point, our buddy who lost his down duvet, <laughs> he slept in my, I have a big puffy jacket. He slept in that the first night, froze his ass off, excuse my language. And so. Not really, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so he wanted to use my jacket and then sleep in the tent with Jerry this next night. And I agreed to that, so I slept in my sleeping bag. Well, of course bag. you agree. It was Jerry's tent, not yours. <laughs> no, it was, it was my tent this time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, so I sleep out in my uh, in my sleeping bag on the ground. <clears throat> and right about as we're starting to go to bed, the winds pick up. Mm. And, 10 o'clock, maybe. And eight, then nine, they pick o'clock. up some more and some more. And I was worried about losing things. So I stuffed anything loose. I stuffed in my backpack and put a big rock on my backpack. And But I come to find out I had it good that Jerry sent me a, te- a, a video the next day of them inside the tent. And that thing is just, just getting blown all over. Jerry sits up in the tent and it's like getting boxed by a boxer. Uh, it was... Uh... <laughs> 40 mile an hour winds, um, plus, plus, I'm sure, yeah. uh, from 10 o'clock on. So I took a video with still the light outside the tent, and it, it would amaze you how much this tent is throwing. And uh, like you said, I'm the least technical guy. I asked Nick, what's the wind cutoff for the go, no-go? And he said around 40 miles an hour, which we were at. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So midnight comes. And we all pop out of the tent and we all stand up and we're trying to belt up and cramp on up and you couldn't even stand. It would blow one way and stop and then blow the other way and blow you back that way and then stop and then blow you that way. Uh, am I recalling this correctly? Well, it's like walking around on steep ice and loose rock and about every five seconds, someone comes up and gives you a shove from a different direction. And then it would go And still. you don't know which yeah. way it's coming from. Yeah. And and we were just kind of stumbling around. And Are uh, you sure you weren't drinking? Just, just no, we weren't. Not, not at this point. Not at this, not point. At this point. So let's get that back. Comes later. Let's go back to Couch. So Couch, he, he takes off from camp, lower camp. Yeah. Right? Yep. And then he loses a guy down low. Uh-huh. Uh, Turn back. Right. And then he's got uh, Wapowity, and yep. he's got the doctor that follow him probably up to about Camp Hazard. Yeah, yeah. And then Camp Hazard, uh, what happens there, Troy, uh, after that? Well, I didn't. That's when it started getting windy. And right. You, 
started uh, it was he was really late in the day at this point and starting to get dark on him a little bit did the doctor turn around yes and 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 wapowity falls him a little longer yeah but he even gives up he gives up yep and so he goes on by himself by himself right oh his water bottle freezes it's getting windy blew his hat off starting to get dark yeah for him to go any farther meant suicide he was going to die up at the top that night yeah he knew that um Wow. So midnight, we get up to put our crampons on. It is blowing like crazy. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm late, but I, I was out there about three or four minutes, maybe. We're out there five. And I just said, hey, I'll make my own decision, but I'm 100% going back in this tent. I'm out. Right. I'm out. So it's, it's actually the whole thing is a little bit comical because... Nobody says anything, right? Obviously, no one's really excited about what's going on and what the conditions are. But we're suiting up and we're getting ready like we're going to play the basketball game anyway. Right? And uh, hoping the other guy blinks. We're, we, yeah, kind of, we're waiting for somebody to say something. Finally, Jerry's like, hey, I don't know about you guys, but I ain't doing this. I'm fucking hell. I mean, pardon my French again, but. Uh, uh, there's a rock step ledge to get over to that glacier and it's narrow and it's dark and usually you're using a rope and now we're going to do rock step with crampons on in the dark scoot along maybe a couple hundred feet three and then that then we're going to be on the snow right right that right right there don't sound good um well if it's windy that windy at 13a up at the summit's going to be even more right so wow so, you know, Jerry, Jerry, finally, first person to say something. I, I remember not even saying a word. I just took my pack off, my crampons off and climbed back in you my did. sleep you bag. Just, <laughs> you just threw your crap and Nick agreed right along. Um, I'm glad. And it, it took a couple of weeks. Uh, I saw Troy again down the cabin. And we hadn't talked about it. I was like, uh, did I did I pull out too soon? You know, or uh, yeah, uh, what? And Troy said, absolutely not. That was the right thing. So, oh, it was uh, the right call. I, I thought yeah. about it for a couple of weeks. So maybe we should have went for it that night. Yeah. So Troy, I put you on the spot. Would you, if Jerry wouldn't have said anything, would you, would you, would you have tried? Yeah. Well, what I would have done is I would have gone a little ways, okay. right? I would have gone a little ways. But yeah, looking back or you, you... I was ready to not do it at any moment. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because you worked so hard to get to this point. Oh, I agree. One, and not only that, I was sure in my mind we were going to do it. I, yeah. I didn't set out to not do it or to right. turn around there. Right. I packed everything I needed to. We, we made a long trip. We did a lot of work to get there. So for sure, that was the last thing I wanted. I could have waited another day myself <laughs> and then done it. But done who knows? It, right? I right. think the wind followed us down till 10 or 11 in the afternoon. It was even hard to walk downhill. Now, on Jerry, if I'm not mistaken, you made a call from about thirteen thousand feet on the mountain and got another day off of work. I did because Nick slowed us down, right? And I made that extra day just to he, spend the night. Still looking for the duvet. No, he just wanted to stay a night in the tent with me. I don't blame him. You can't blame him for that. He started eating, and I started eating. So yeah, Jerry calls down from thirteen thousand. Uh, hey, I'm gonna have to extend my my days off by one. I have a job right at Paradise, though. I work at uh, for maintenance, and I'm, I'm a maintenance man at Paradise Inn, so I could see uh, where I worked. <laughs> yeah, I'm not <coughs> feeling so good today. No, they knew what I was doing, and they knew where I was at. in the parking lot. <laughs> you know, matter of fact, I, I thought I hadn't missed a day of work this year. That's the one day I missed. You did, right? Yeah, I hadn't missed an hour besides that. So. Right. You guys, so... Well, you didn't summon, which isn't necessarily a measure of success because neither did the other guy. Right. But you put in all this effort, the mountain turned you back. Yep. Yes. Okay. The question I want to ask, I'm going to hold off on, but I'll get to it. During this 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 trip, what went wrong that you weren't prepared for? What what kind of were there any surprises besides running out of battery power? You know, things like that. What what did you not plan for that came up? Mm, good question. 
Honestly, first thing came to mind is we ran out of cigarettes. And so we tried to ration four <laughs> cigarettes for two days between three guys. Uh, other than that. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> no wonder the doctor turned around. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think we just did. I would have gave myself another day or two because. Uh, okay. Really unforeseeable win. And if you looked at the evening, it was beautiful. There was still not a cloud in the sky, just the moon and the stars. But the wind was just outrageous. Okay. And had I known the wind was coming, I wouldn't have a magic ball in my pocket, but I probably would have mm-hmm. pushed harder to get up that night. Um, not taking the extra day. Is, yeah. Is okay. my my right. only. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, more smokes. Yeah. Well, yeah. had we not taken the extra day, we would have been just fine on smokes. Yeah, it's the extra day. <laughs> uh, All right. No, but other than that, I think everything worked perfect. I think uh, you need a little bit of luck every time you do this, too. Sure. So luck from Mother Nature and luck from a few steps that you might take right or wrong. But uh, luck wasn't in our favor. And, it, and you know, reflection on couch, it wasn't in his favor either. Right. Um, well, I've certainly, I might have climbed Rainier 13 times, but I've attempted it way more so times how many times that. have you attempted it i don't know more i always say more than 50 and less than 100 okay yeah it makes you appreciate what couch did actually for him to take that gear up what what, what kind of gear did he have so they did actually have old school ice axes okay they took a 50 foot length of rope all right and they brought boots where they took the uh soles off pounded uh Eight penny nails for the sole and reattach the sole okay. for crampons. A lantern and a pistol. And that's a- for dove or quail or what, the pistol. Um, the doctor. Well, <laughs> well, one of the soldiers had a rifle too, so the rifle, pistol, right. and a bunch of bacon and hardtack. That's really. So just tense. to appreciate what he did. Oh, to, no, this is. To get this far. Uh, I, what tells the tale of, of what they did is how they came down the hill and uh, emasculated is what they were. Um, the Indian was snow blind, couldn't even walk, couldn't see where he was walking down the hill, much less carry the doctor's pack back. Yeah. Um, One of the guys was at, could not return to duty for several months after the trip because he was in such bad shape. Wow. So, so the two soldiers that followed him up got an early release. Yes. The rest of their life. Medical. From the military. from the military from their trip. Uh, Couch himself had lost, what, about 30, 40 pounds. Yeah. Had a bad case of the piles. Um, oh, it's a nice way to say hemorrhoids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the doctor himself took a long time to, to recover. Right. From it. Right. Uh, they ate nothing but a diet of berries on their way back and, and tore them up, just tore them up. Uh, they didn't have any fish. They didn't have any beef because the Indian couldn't hunt. Uh, and so I think that told the tale more than it told the tale of what, what they went through on the way up. Man, they got tore up. Their lives were changed probably forever from that trip. So we got to hop in a car and head back home. They had to walk all, right, so all the way back out. So where did you guys get picked up at? Paradise? We got picked up at Paradise. Yeah. yeah. You went to work? I don't. We ran into a supervisor in the parking lot. Remember that? I did think. Did I did go to work? Did I? I can't remember. No, uh, you went to work the next day. Uh, okay. But the very next day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Okay. So the question I want to ask, because you brought it up earlier, when you were doing the Tolme, you guys were talking about what was next. That became this. So what's next? So I don't think you guys are done yet. No, no. You so here's what's funny. I'll let me start and I'll let you finish it. Okay. So while we're on the couch trip, I'm already thinking about I know what we want to do next, which is recreate the first ascent. Uh PB Van Trump and uh uh Hazard, Hazard Stevens. Stevens. That's right. Yeah. And Connor. <laughs> and and so I'm thinking in my head, that's what I really want to do, but I know Jerry will never do it because he hates walking roads, right? Urban walking, man. 
So, so where did this? So let help me out here. This, if you were to recreate this, yeah, where are you walking? Starting in Yelm, they started in Yelm at, at James Longmire's homestead, and followed the Nisqually, very similar to the Cowts actually, but more on the south side. Okay, and you don't, you're not down for walking the Royal Way. Well, you never talked. So I never it. said anything. I oh, never okay. said anything. Okay. So finally, Jerry comes over to my cabin one day. He goes, Troy, I think I know what we should do for the next trip. We should recreate the first, the first ascent. We should finish the story. <laughs> yeah. This is history. These are the three most essential first explorations, Contacts discovery missions. You name whatever you want to call it. But these are the first three that. So you guys, that's. Is it safe to say that's what you you will do, or are you still kind of? That's next year. That's oh, what we're gonna, are going to do. That's what we will do next okay. year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. July again. Uh, I need to look at the dates they did it, and like Scott, I'm glad you asked about what we'd do different because if we do this again, we needed to put some days on the back end for something to go right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good lesson. Have that some extra days. Don't have yeah. to just be back in a hurry if something. Yeah. It, that way I don't feel as bad as if I pulled out in the wind and I had another day or two. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Then we could complete it. Maybe another nope. couple packs of cigarettes, too. Because they're light. They're yeah. Light. Uh, Troy went back and said I left some back at the <laughs> lower camp and <laughs> chastised me for that later. I was like, yeah, that's easy. I deserve a chastising. <laughs> I didn't know. Well, the one thing I was thinking about, his his gear, his ice axe, probably, what is your ice axe weigh? Oh gosh, mine's in the uh, in the ounces. It's under a pound. In, in yours? Pound, pound and a half. Maybe. Yeah. So what do you think this guy was schlepping around? Yeah, oh, three or sure. four pounds of right, right. You know. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's one of the fun things about uh, so like they documented better for couts and the documentation for uh, the first ascent is is it's just magnificent. It's, it's even it's, better. It's, okay. Yeah. It's all over. So Van uh, Trump. And Stevens, they wrote like three different accounts. There's people that wrote about them. Uh, we get a little bit more into some technical gear, which they hated. Um, so uh, <laughs> they were more of the old fashioned, but their third partner was more about, uh, you know, just like example, sun sun goggles. Uh, they didn't want to wear them. And then uh, actually Stevens got to where he used them over the next couple of times he climbed. So, um well, I think it uh, wasn't Edmund Coleman along with them. Coleman, that's it. And so Coleman, he did the first ascent of Mount Baker uh, by Bellingham. Uh, he's a British guy, if I'm not mistaken. He had done climbing in the Alps. So he he kind of knew what he was doing a little bit. Yeah, he brought crampons. Uh, which... Yeah. Yep. Snow goggles. Yeah. So these guys were so crazy, and we cannot recreate this. So don't ask us next year when we do it. But to cross the crevasses, they would lasso an ice pinnacle from the other side and swing across the crevasse that's right and climb up and get across it no that's what they did in there and we're not going to do that of course Uh, we're going to ladder it over what if we have to (laughs) (laughs) so their route takes us it's called the gibraltar ledge route which they did the first descent of that route obviously for send of the mountain and for years afterwards, it was the main route. You'd go to Camp Mirror, do the Gibraltar ledge route. Well, the ledge uh, fell away back in the 1920s or 30s. And then the route changed to what's now called the Disappointment Cleaver, which 90% of the people that climb the mountain do that route. Okay. But I've been up the uh, Gibraltar ledge route before, and it's not bad. It's not bad. Okay. No lassoing and swinging necessary when I did it. So we're going to meet with a Kevin Bacher from National Park Service, who's done a lot of research. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a historian in it. And he's going to help us just fill in some blanks. Like I said, there's a lot of literature on it already. Uh, it's an exciting story. And uh, the names, uh, Sluiskin, uh, Van Trump, you know, even following from Calton told me these are the names on the mountain. These are the places and the people who made these names. Uh, it's historic, you know, just yeah. to go through the story, just to follow the trail. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 cool to hear you guys tell it. You know, it just it's also, I you know, you haven't inspired me <laughs> to do to it do yourself. That, but I think it's I think it's very cool that you're you're trying to go back and and with 
Within reason. No lassos, no swinging, no carrying a four-pound ice axe or whatever his ice axe was. I mean, let's say it was four pounds. You're using modern equipment and safety measures, but you are trying to stay as true to the historical recreation as you can. Right. Correct, yeah. And I think that's that's kind of cool. Um, I, I'm going to hate it when we run out of historians well, to follow. Right. So, that, so that actually, thank, right. you, thank you for saying that because that, that, that was the other question is, so you do this one next year and you say those are the big three on Rainier right what would you do next if I put you on the spot right now not that no one's going to well, hold you to it but well I kind of feel like you know the first one I was I was looking for a partner and Jer was the only one willing to do it uh-huh. and I think he caught the bug on this one and got very informed on the history and then I feel like Jerry's actually almost, uh, he's, he's like leaving up this one we're going to do next year or you're way ahead of me on information and contacts. And, and, uh, so I'd like to keep you moving more on that. Jerry's always wanted me to go to the uh, Grand Canyon with him okay. or Machu Picchu or, uh, Kilimanjaro. Okay. I have a couple so, on my bucket list. Okay. So something outside of the state you right. go yeah do yeah some machu picchu or something like that okay have you, have you done either of you guys done kilimanjaro i have no. not no i have not no i've heard from a couple of people that i know that have summited it that it's actually pretty easy that's what i hear it's more it's like more, a walk it's yeah. more like a walk well yeah. there's three there's three different climbs there's an easy one intermediate one and a hard one okay. so you can go a short route a medium route or the nice long easy route but what the thing is you get a little bit of uh, africa with it if you yeah. want to you can travel yeah. and make more oh, than no. just kilimanjaro out oh, of that oh i'm not trying to dismiss it as oh it's easy who cares no, right, right. Yeah, right it's that it's not it's not technical it's super technical not at all yeah mm-hmm. yes yeah, the uh it's, it's the adventure in uh that i look for you know, it's so, the journey yeah i talked to a guy you asked earlier before we were recording i've, I've talked to a guy who has summited everest from Seattle, and he actually proposed to his girlfriend from the summit of Everest. Oh, and you know, so he was. Just, What'd she say? She said yes. <laughs> All right. Do you, you know um, Chris Klemecki? No. Okay, so Chris is uh, he's the guitar player now in Grieve the Astronaut. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, and his yeah. wife Erica uh-huh. has gone up a long ways. On that, and, uh-huh. and I interviewed her for some stuff, and she, both of these people were. I mean, Everest doesn't sound. Everest sounds miserable. Yeah, it sounds because it's just a line of people. Yeah, waiting to go up, and you know you're kind of like taking number number forty two. Yeah. you can climb. You know anymore? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Where the people that I've talked to that done Kilimanjaro, yes, there's a lot of people on the mountain, but it's a different. It's still a very enjoyable experience. Right. That'd be that'd be a cool one. Machu Picchu would be really like. I've done Machu Picchu yeah. through mm-hmm. the Salcate Mountains, so I had seven days round trip and then ended in Machu Picchu. Oh, very cool. Okay. Yeah, I really I I like uh, history, but I really like exploring. Mm-hmm. And so, like you mentioned, Everest, you, know, you get in the big long line. Unless you do an on-ball route, then you'd have the place all to yourself. <laughs> so I don't know if they let you. Oh yeah, they do. Yeah. Okay. Well, but I, <laughs> yeah. that's beyond my. But uh, but that's that's See what interests me. <laughs> <laughs> that's what really interests me is, uh, you know, maybe do something in the Grand Canyon you haven't done before. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. right. Yeah. I find new places every time. So yeah. the last time I went down, I went to Boucher's Rapids, and uh, Boucher was a hermit. They call Hermit's Rapids, and he was way down at the far left end of the canyon, and he had an orchard down there, 40, uh, 40 50 different kinds of trees and wow. a cabin, and and uh, it was interesting to come find the cabin, come find the trees, uh, yeah, all <laughs> the all the things like that, and and. Uh, just uncovering the history that's in a book. Uh, right. Well, and that's that's the thing I, I think is what you guys are doing is cool. So, well, I've been I've been wrapping up my episodes with two questions. Um, so, first one is, what didn't I ask you about this adventure that I should have? No, I think you covered everything. You got it. Okay. Yeah. Jerry, 
Um, I I wish I, I would have seen the country back in the day it was. I wonder how close we were to following it. Like you said, uh, you hit it on it a couple times, so I couldn't say you didn't ask it. But if you ask me how true I felt about this, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like the adventure was there, the upper adventure. But um, I, honestly, I, I would like to know how that guy felt, where the snow was, what it looked like sure. 150 mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. I, yeah, I felt like I didn't get the scope of that kind of. So, Jerry, I'm going to ask you this question. Okay. Try to prepare. You're on the spot. Okay. So, I've been asking this question, and I stole this from another podcast host. It's a very important question. Cake or pie, and why? Pie, every time. Mm. Give me that apple pie. You are the first person to answer quickly. Give me that Everyone pie. Everyone else is mulling it over. Okay. Every apple time. Pie? It's made with crust, more love. Put a little uh, uh, ice cream with it. It, okay. it, it. it far outweighs cake every time. All right. Troy? Pie, easy one. Yeah. Apple, berry. Oh you? no, I like berry. Yeah, okay. like blackberry. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Easy. How about you? Can't see. I probably pie and probably uh, apple or a berry pie. Oh, okay. here we are. Yeah, I, I cake cake's fine. Don't I mean you don't look like this without eating cake. Um, Whipped cream ice cream. <laughs> ice cream. There's no such thing as bad ice cream. So ice cream, of course. You look like okay. Yeah, I look like I look. Uh, no, no, I just <laughs> so I, I you do. don't look like a whipped cream guy. All right. No. All right. Well, guys, thanks so much. All Thank right. you, Scott. Awesome. Appreciate you. Scott, love you, bro. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.